Rev. Today, our first pick is uh, OK by either Eskimo or Gabby's World from 2015. And some specs about it first. Let's see. Okay, so the album came out in 2015. It's got 11 tracks, 36 minutes, sometimes called lo-fi, but it's basically indie rock. On the label, Double Double Whammy. And I'll turn it over to the experts here who introduced me to this group. DJ Keep Rumi and DJ Karev, take it wherever you want to go. Okay, so I'll ask DJ Karev, do you remember when where we first heard of Gabby's World? Was it a... A tiny desk discovery or, or somewhere else? What's your no. what's your memory of that? I, I, I just remember you were, we were listening to Frankie Cosmos. And then I think he probably discovered them from Tiny Desk. But then we were listening to Frankie Cosmos. And he was like, oh, sh- this lady's the backup singer in her band. And listen to this song. And I think it was I Admit I'm Scared. Which is probably still my favorite song by her. But then I kind of got into the whole album. And this album is like her big project, I'd say. She has a little other eps which are like fine i've listened to but this is like her only really big project that's like an album album and i've really liked it over the years cool (laughs) Uh, so you're not sure if tiny desk was the introduction or not would you if you compare the versions of the songs that are on tiny desk versus the albums i think they're all on the album how would you compare between them for this one, I thought the album was better than the Tiny Desk, just because I think her Tiny Desk was so stripped back. I can't get very interesting with just like a lady and her electric guitar compared to this album, which I think was very carefully produced, as my dad said. So I think the album is I was more impressed by, especially because I think there's only like one or two songs that I don't like on it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Not liking some of the songs and how does that affect your, your view of the album as a whole? I'll have to ask you later. DJ Keeperumi, do you concur that the studio, so think- studio is better? I think T- Tiny Desk is, is where we first heard of these guys. And I, I'll reiterate something I said there, which is a, some of my favorite Tiny Desks is is where the performances are, are complimentary. So if, if I could maybe only have one, I would pick the album. But I kind of liked how stripped back the Tiny Desk was as well. So I'll take all of the above. Uh, don't make me choose. And you, and you did also see them live, you mentioned? Yeah, they were at an arts festival in Columbus, Ohio two to three years ago where they they just played a free outdoor set at you know two or three o'clock in the afternoon probably on a saturday and there were only probably a hundred people there watching them or so i mean it was one of these events where there's all kinds of food trucks and other stuff going on but i don't think many people had had shown up just to see them so yeah i think they remain relatively uh, obscure mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. If, you know, it seems that people are just at the at the festival already. Might as well. But they, among those other acts at the uh, at the festival, they they stood out among other, the live acts. Okay. I think we I think we just went to see them, so I didn't didn't really? stick oh. around for too too long. So it wasn't a, a summer music festival that, that just like a Lollapalooza thing or something. I think it was a actually. kind of summer arts of all kinds. Yeah. Oh. Oh, fair enough, and they would uh, they would probably be hanging with the artsy crowd. I would I would I would guess from their their collective status, and we can talk about that in a minute. But stick to the album first. So a lot of these songs are I would compare it in in terms of the not necessarily the themes or the feel of it. Uh, it's just as the uh, there's a lot of slow numbers and some rocking numbers, as you mentioned, and I would say kind of similar to Shilpa Ray actually that we keep DJ Kirumi and I discussed previously that uh, there's a lot of variety. It's hard to find something that complements it as well because lyrical themes i think friendship recurs quite a bit individual songs broken necks actually has a music video and is uh some reviewers call an actual pop song you guys 
like that track, or is it too uncharacteristic for the others and too uh, too poppy? Any thoughts? I don't find it too poppy. I think it just has like a synth pattern, and I don't think a synth pattern necessarily means they're pop. I would disagree with that opinion. And it's not one of my favorites. It's probably in my like middle ground list of tracks like i'd say i like folly i admit i'm scared alone at a party that's okay a hug too long i forget what sparrow is but i somehow think i like that more also but I, me, it's probably my bottom 50 percent but then not the worst so i <laughs> sorry I keep interrupting you uh, let me <laughs> let me impress you on that why don't you like the poppiest song it's the one that they chose as the single it's the one that's going to put their name out there it's the one they made a video for how could you not like I, it <laughs> i don't not like it it's just in my middle ground of the tracks it's in like if i were to rank all 11 it'd be like fifth or sixth hmm, interesting so i'm just I'm not in love with it, and I think that's maybe because it's not as lyrically or melodically compelling, which is more important to me. So interesting, interesting. DJ so. Keeper, me, which where does it rank for you? No, I like that one. It would probably be more like my uh, third or fourth highest track on on the album in general. I find that if if there's eleven songs, I find the first four or so songs really, really strong, and then after mm-hmm. that, it starts to get a little bit more uneven. Where between 5 and 11, I like maybe half the tracks. But I'd say, you know, we have our 1 through 10 ranking. You know, almost nothing gets a 10, let alone a 9. If the whole album was as strong as tracks 1 through 4, it would be a contender for a perfect 10 for me. But I find that it gets hmm. a, a little bit more I think a little bit more uneven after the The one the we had third. the biggest problem with when we were listening to it in the car is Pocket Full of Poises. Is that it? Yeah. Posies. We hated hmm. that. I think that's the only one we genuinely think there's nothing we like about. The other ones I think we find at least tolerable. But then we like <laughs> most of them. I think Everything You Love, we kind of thought. My dad said, he was like, oh, we're ending the album. Calm, ending the album song. <laughs> yeah, and then, might have been, that might have been 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> I thought was prettier than that one. No, that was 10. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and then A Hug Too Long, we like. Do you like Thanks, Dad? I don't remember that one. Let's see. No, we love that. Oh, I love Thanks, that was, actually. That was the Friendships That's probably track, my third I think. Favorite. Yeah, That's my third friends. That's my second favorite, actually. We like Alone at a Party. I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. We like everything. We think everything you love is okay, and we don't like pocket full of posies posies yes so i don't know i don't think it gets messy i just think we have like one skip okay dj karev's view is that only just throw out number five and then it's a nearly perfect album yeah wow interesting yeah what is, what is it what does it do to an album when there's one song that you actually don't like that you skip does it uh, affect your appreciation of the album or is it just skip it and it's still almost perfect does it actually annoy you so much that you don't like the album it doesn't bother me much. I feel like I have a pretty high tolerance for just hitting the skip button, whether it's a playlist or an album or on the radio. I'll just skip 30 songs till there's a good song, so I don't really care. Sure. Just skip in one, it's fine. I'd say it could still be, it could be a 10-track album, and I have to skip four of them, and I'd still listen to it. I don't know. It, it doesn't bother me. Is it often that you both rank every song on an album, or is that just for this episode? I presume just for this episode, for talking about it as a whole like this. Yeah. Or do you- to, th- to think about it this formally, yeah. I mean, normally right. I, I wouldn't rank them. I would just kind of cull the kind of three out of 12 that I like and maybe add them to a playlist, but I wouldn't necessarily think about ranking. What do you think, DJ Karev? I think I do ask ranking questions sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll just be like, do you like this song or this song more? Do you like this artist or this artist more? Blah, 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 blah. Go, 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 go. You know? 
<laughs> is that is that but with your friends or with your dad or both? With, you with ask my these dad. Things? <laughs> so I'll be like, you have to choose the Beatles or David Bowie. What are you choosing? Ouch. <laughs> yeah. It's tough, yeah. <clears throat> All right, cool. Back to the original, the broken neck song. Did either of you guys see see the video for it? No. Yeah, I saw the the first half or so of the vis- of the video with the uh, <laughs> animated cereal boxes and the like. So it failed to keep your attention. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're more the uh, music video connoisseur than than we are. So, what was your take on the music video? Okay, yeah. So yeah, I really I really liked the music video. I thought it was a, you know a DIY style and it, and it made me nostalgic for Brooklyn. But yeah, they do all kinds of things. It's uh, at the same time as it is DIY. They mi- mixed in some you know semi-animation things and they're cereal i love cereal (laughs) right yeah (laughs) to compare the the mitski connection also too which we could mention the mitski i i I actually apparently she's related and she's got her one of the only examples of press that i found for gabby's world was on a mitski wiki where mitski super fans talk about things related and uh, so she has an entry there and i have to say that i kind of i actually haven't gotten into mitski despite having owned a one of the albums previously and i actually prefer prefer Gabby's world overall and I can see some similarities in their in their style but one one lyrical theme that I think Mitski goes on a little bit more more often than she needs to to maybe to paint some visuals is to she sings about taking her clothes off and uh, at the end of the song broken next when they go swimming and she's singing on the beach which I guess you didn't make it to that part it all connects lyrically and, and thematically I think nicely I think Lana Del Rey has a similar thing with that like uh, there's one song off an album of hers I thought was the most how do I say this when people say Lana Del Rey music is boring I think lust for life is what they're talking about it sounds Mm. very basic Lana Del Rey but anyway there's the song lust for life where literally the pre-chorus is just take off take off take off all your clothes but then (laughs) she'll have prettier ways of saying it in other albums like uh, Norman Rockwell Uh, (laughs) she uh, (laughs) says um, something about taking her swimsuit off in the next best American record which I thought she said it in a nice way in that one I don't really mind when Mitski does that or Lana Del Rey does that I think it's a nice imagery for like being vulnerable Hmm. there are lots of different ways you can say that you know so I don't it doesn't bother me actually what has bothered me more is Phoebe Bridgers had this obsession with reminding us her boyfriend is at least 10 years older than her. I think that <laughs> is not good. <laughs> oh, 10 years is, yeah, yeah, getting she up there. say it, but it, it's just like there's this one pre-chorus. She's like, and you were in a band when I was born. I'm like, you. <laughs> 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 I watch out. Mention later with the uh, the second pick that if I were to go to a concert, the uh, teenage girl bands, I would feel kind of creepy, honestly. So, yeah. <laughs> creepy old man at a, at a teenage girl band concert? No, don't do it. So just listen at home. Um, no, the music video for Broken Necks has uh, about 138,000 views, so it's like right in the middle of pushing the not quite famous level. But I think it's it's definitely out there, and I think it was, it was pretty well done. So. Yeah. Uh, other songs you would like to focus on? I'm wondering what your top three tracks are and why. Okay, well, that's that's one of them, certainly. Anything that has a music video, and I say that I would generally prefer to watch a music video than a, than a Tiny Desk concert. I, I, I think that that holds for this album. The other that caught my attention was the Thunder Answered Back, where the chorus is rhyming unusually rhymed words as insults. I like I really like the, the chorus where she's yelling, you cowards, you hummingbirds. And she's really angry at these hummingbirds. I'm not sure why, but... Uh, 
I thought it was a really interesting uh, thing to, to sing or say or shout like an insult. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that one make any impression? I think that one's fine. I actually, I think what's funny is you like the kind of loud, more dramatic songs. And I mm-hmm. more partial to the subtler moments on the album. Like, mm-hmm. I think my favorite songs are I Admit I'm Scared and Thanks. And then Folly, solely for the first, like, one or two minutes of the beginning of those songs, which I think are very calm and very pretty. And I like mm. the lyricism in them. But I think you are more partial to the instrumentation and even the visuals of the music video to that, which is interesting. I don't know. I like when songs are like traditionally songwriter songs more. I guess I'm more boring like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not boring. It's definitely a different thing to appreciate, for sure. One of the things that impresses me with the mix is I find that they're drummer Felix Walworth is really good and he's actually you know r- really playing out on a lot of these songs but something to kind of bridge your two tastes where it's the slightly more stripped back folky songs and and you like the the songs with more elaborate instrumentation is that you know all of the tracks the vocal track is really kind of mixed front and center so even the few songs where they really rock out and there's actually you know a lot of interesting things going on with the drums they still have them pretty solidly in the background which maybe still kind of makes this a little bit more of a singer songwriter or indie band rather than veering into you know rock with word mm-hmm. with the you know the really more prominent bass or drum that mm-hmm. the kind of vocal is in in the middle of rather than out in front of i kind of liked how they kept the vocals mixed really clear and out front from yeah. start to finish. They do remind me a lot of Beach Bunny, even though they don't sound like them. I think they have the same appealing qualities in that a Beach Bunny fan would be a Gabby's World fan. And that mm-hmm. is kind of like girly rockish group. They have their vocals clear and then they have intricate things going on even Mm -hmm. if they're not that loud. Like, I think my dad is very, very complimentary of the Beach Bunny uh, guitar player with all the fills he does, which Mm -hmm. are very complicated. So I think they're very similar, actually, to me. Just in the overall type of indie girly rock band, you would feel uncomfortable at their concert, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if I I were with my daughter or something, maybe not so bad, but going alone, sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I, now that you mentioned Beach Bunny, I can he- definitely hear the similarity there in, in the, the song song tightness. I think uh, they're, they're yeah, I would say complex, brief, but also pretty compelling. And I I would never have noticed the drums if you, if you had not mentioned that. So so thanks for that. And in terms of mixing the vocals front and center, I, what what do you guys think of her voice in general? I like her voice. I think it sounds very soulful, not like delicate. It sounds like it has like it's full sounds like it's from her chest not like Mm. her throat except when she gets to the high notes i find it sounds a lot thinner so i think she it sounds more deep in the verses i think i like her mellow vocals more than her louder vocals but her louder vocals i don't think are supposed to be necessarily vocally impressive as much as they're supposed to be fun and unique are we really supposed to be like oh my god she's such an amazing singer at the end of the thunder answered back no i think it's like a statement belt you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, the loud the louder vocals tend to come at the moments where the the whole band is participating, where the keyboards, the bass. The, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a self awareness there where I don't think they think she can belt, but they're <laughs> spunky about it, mm-hmm. so it's fine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think I think she sings with a lot of anxiety that her lyrics lyrical themes compared with her voice uh, kind of breaking it sometimes almost 
I think it's a nice combination. And uh, her lyrical themes, some of the reviewers have called it like singing your journal entries, so it's very personal. But also at the same time, there have been others on the on the quieter numbers that it, where her voice, uh, someone called her voice angelic. Would you agree or disagree with angelic vocals? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's pretty soft and calm, no matter how deep or whatever it is. It's interesting to be singing something that's kind of like anxious, like, oh, I admit I'm scared, but you're singing it so calm. <laughs> like you're, I admit it, uh, I'm scared. <laughs> Yet it's this very soft calm. It's like contradicting in a nice way. Yet I appreciated the conclusion of I ad- admit I'm scared. It sounds like it's a very kind of millennial sentiment where the last lyric is, we could fly around the world or just get out of your parents' house. <laughs> so the modesty of ambition there is very small for a rock song. Sure, absolutely. And I think uh, I was going to mention this in other terms. To be from Brooklyn and to still have some vulnerability and innocence, you think that the city will harden you. But these are there's, there's still a lot of preciousness here and a lot of uh, intimacy and personal touches. I, I would never have guessed that they're from New York City just from listening to the album. There's a, definitely a smaller scale to it. No, it, it means something to the person who's singing it, definitely. Yes, yeah, so this is a group, well, I'll, I'll be curious to see if they're still making music three or four years from now as a primary ambition. I could see it going either way. I wouldn't be surprised if they just disappeared after a couple more years, but mm-hmm. we'll see. We can expand to the discography. Have you guys uh, heard, heard her uh, previous work and more recent? A Year of the Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to any of this album? Yeah, I, I listened to it. The Pitchfork review for both of them was about 7.4 or 6.8, I think, for, for OK and uh, Year of the Rabbit, respectively. They said that uh, Year of the Rabbit was a little bit draining if you listen to it repeatedly, that you need to pop a Valium for it. Uh, whereas you could really live in and play on repeat over and over again OK. I guess I would agree with that. I also thought that uh, Year of the Rabbit had a lot more casual F-bombs, and I wondered if the the question was, is the PMRC dead yet? If you ever wanted to rebel, have your teenage rebellion being listening to uh, misogynistic gangster rap or anything, but... I definitely listen to misogynistic gangster rap. I have been going through an Eminem phase since I was Uh like... (laughs) So that's great. (laughs) When we were talking about this upcoming pick she was alluding to a road trip she took with some grandparents where she kind of flagged some appropriate and inappropriate music for the grandparents and i think there might have been some misplaced gabby's world songs that raised the ire of the grandparents actually no i had my headphones in right (laughs) and then i'm listening to the same 80 songs again and again and i'm just like i've been ignoring them for like four hours i'm just sitting there with my headphones on and she's like if i have to hear that what the f-bomb song one more time wait oh my god (laughs) she has heard me listen to that like five times probably that's right (laughs) but that is my favorite song on the album i think it's fun it's just a lot more immature this album than the last one are you mad are you mad are you mad are you mad so (laughs) And then that question. But it's still like an interesting question. Like, what the F is a kiss? I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting thing to ask, you know, and it's the one that stuck with me the most. And I did listen to those songs a lot. I listened. I had the entire year of the rabbit downloaded. And the only one I remember is the second track. So I'd say that's my favorite there. Fair enough. But I don't know. What's your favorite on uh, a year of the rabbit? I just want to respond to that is just to, to consider Gabby's world in any way offensive, I think is uh, you really have to strain to be offended by it. But, uh, you know, it can be done apparently. Yeah. Uh, 
in uh, Are You Mad? Are You Mad? I think pretty on point for, you know, uh, maybe a boyfriend or a guy who's hiding his emotions and really needs to be drawn out to talk about feelings. So I think that was pretty, pretty apt lyrically. And I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that. A lot of people can relate to it in their own relationships. So probably that one. Yeah. Nothing much else stuck with me. I, I would agree that it was not as interesting. I probably won't listen to it. I'll probably still buy it because it's a dollar or name your price on Bandcamp, which uh, we, can, we can also talk about actually buying music. DJ Keep Rumi, did you listen to that one? Yeah, I've heard that one as, as well. I don't, just looking at the track list, I don't remember more than half of the songs, but I, yeah, I, I like the ones that I remember, I, I like. And then it looks like there's also a 2018 album, Beast on Beast. Have we listened to all of this one, uh, DJ Karev? No, I think Winter Withdrawal looks I familiar. One, yeah. I think it might just not be out on Amazon Music. Maybe it didn't do well enough on Bandcamp and YouTube and stuff that it mm. didn't get to major streaming platforms. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I listened to Beast on Beast once. It's uh, actually the only one that's a full price, $7 on Bandcamp. So I'll probably not get it, but I will listen again. After hearing OK and liking it a lot, I didn't, I didn't hear anything new and that was really reached out and grabbed me on that one. So I'd like to talk about these more superficial aspects of perhaps being uh, on the on the side of hipsters and maybe DJ Keep Rumi will have uh, more opinions on this than I think it's hard to know what a hipster is when you're a teenager. Yeah, it's a really kind of a college phenomenon where you were, you know, there's cool kids in high school, but then in college, there are really, really, really cool kids. What do you think of them being in a, a musical collective from Brooklyn or at the hipster question in general, DJ Keep Rumi? I'll maybe dodge the hipster question, but I think okay. it's kind of kind of <laughs> kind of neat. The connections between the groups where, you know, she's collaborated with Greta Klein, a.k.a. Frankie Cosmos. It looks like Emily Sprague, who is in the band Florist, also did some of the recording and arrangements for them as well. The boyfriend, who I think is Oliver Kalb, if I have the right guy in the lineup. And then he's the front man for Bellows. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I find it the collaborative spirit, you know, in a way is kind of the opposite of the exclusivist kind of implication of the hipster being, you know, only listening to, you know, the most out of the way stuff or not wanting to be that well known. These are groups that I've listened to. I haven't really tried to get on Reddit or the like or even, to, you know, to find articles to uncover the exact nature of the timeline or the collaborations or, or, or any of that. Being, I don't know, there's, some, there's something quite quite nice that there are all so many of these uh, younger musicians who are probably in their late 20s now, if I'm guessing right, that they're uh, kind of helping each other out and supporting each other's projects uh, so much is, is kind of nice. Yeah. I guess so. I'm with you on the collaborative spirit. Uh, DJ Grove, you have more to say? I think something uh, that came to mind to me when you said you know, the uh, themes of friendship coming up is no matter how close they are, it's kind of awkward to write about your relationship in front of your boyfriend. So I think if it's a girlfriend and a boyfriend writing these songs together, they maybe are writing about friendship so they don't have to write about love or maybe because they're kind of settled and comfortable with each other, there's nothing sad or thoughtful they can write you know, that mm. has to do with love themes. So maybe that's why a lot of their songs are like broken X about friendship because they can just write about their friend group or whatever they're going through together, together as opposed to about them. I don't know. Mm. And personally, personally, life experience wise, I don't think people should 
consider as much a, a downgrade from girlfriend or boyfriend to just friend, I don't think that should be considered as, as much a, a demotion. Yeah. It's more, much more likely that you're going to be friends for life than, you know, never speak to each other again after a rough breakup, I think. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of songs about love out there. So mm-hmm. I think it's always nice when a song is about something different, when it's about uh, like a topic or a friend or a story. That's always a nice thing to have. So I think that's kind of cool. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I just think that might be why if you're in this steady relationship and you're writing with your girlfriend or boyfriend, that might be, you know, that, it's mm-hmm. just a thought I had. <laughs> Share, share the thoughts. That's what it's about. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with DJ Keep Rumi about uh, collaboration. And I think that's got to be the future of recording is uh, sending your tracks to collaborators uh, online and through the through cyberspace when you can't collaborate in person, certainly, especially if you can make the whole album in your bedroom. And I think that's fine. That's great. But what do you guys make of her frequent name changes from I, I have Gabby's World, Eskimo, and what is, is it just O with an accent mark on it? Is that, yes. Uh, why does she do that? There's an interesting story about that that I think... I think the most prominent article was published by NPR, which is kind of fitting since Bob Boylan probably did more to forward her career than anyone else in the in the popular press. Gabby Smith was apparently adopted, but then learned that she had some Inuit heritage back in her bloodline. I'm not sure how far back. And then an Inuit singer Tanya Tagak saw that she was performing in Brooklyn and then took umbrage to a white indie singer using Eskimo as as her moniker. So there was some kind of back and forth on Twitter about, you know, if you want to use the word Eskimo, you better be an Eskimo, which, you know, white people kind of shouldn't even be using that term as opposed to saying Inuit or First Nations. And then actually Gabby after some kind of back and forth with this Inuit singer, decided that she agreed and and would maybe do better to change her name. And it looked like she was called O for, I don't know, a year, and then decided to just go with Gabby's World. Which, Good name. Yeah. So I think it, it, it could have just been like, she was like, oh, damn. Uh, I, oh, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think? Gabby's okay. You know. <laughs> okay. Made, made a bit of desperation. When your last name is Smith, I can sympathize with not having a dis- distinctive last name. Yeah. You can't just go by your own name. Mm, we have a distinctive last name, and my dad kind of wanted to make it less distinctive, right? I want to ask you whether you, as a future artist, consider yourself a more interested in being a solo artist or if you're going to seek out collaborators i guess i could ask you that now what do you think i've written a lot of songs since i was like literally five just like about marbles and gumdrops in the world falling down and now i probably made like one or two songs i'm proud of i can picture it going either way i think if i end up getting in some sort of band in high school or college which i don't think i will oh that's cool that's great but i can picture myself just being fine writing like one okay song a year and then just making some sort of project eventually and then you know just knowing i did that and there's no big ambition like I'm going to be a singer I know a lot of girls are like that but I'm just not like that you know I'm more realistic and I like what my dad did I want to do that Right up, right up. Uh, you don't see yourself as necessarily being the, the front and center obnoxious, egotistical uh, lead singer, then, if you were to join a band. You would be you would be a good bandmate. If I were in a band, I do picture myself being the singer. <laughs> Not to <There> be obnoxious. <laughs> I picture myself probably be like 
three singers, probably. I don't really know. You, you'd um, want to work in harmony, too. And I think that's something that Gabby's world, she's more often solo than, than harmonizing, I think. Even harmonizing with herself, perhaps. But uh, Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Well, good luck to you. And uh, I'm sure you're, you've got a very supportive family for that. So good on that. That's important, too. Because <laughs> it's easy to go the other way, I think. There's a lot of discouragement out there, I think, too, unfortunately keeps a lot of people from from realizing what they could be artistically yeah. unfortunate unless you guys have more to say on that personally i want to make my accusation of them as hipsters to say that changing your name so much uh, now with the backstory it's clear that it wasn't necessarily her choice she's not like doing it on purpose to stay underground or something but I think that uh, it would be a really good uh, trap or a test of someone if you walked up to a party and, and you just said to somebody, hey, you know that Gabby's world, huh? She she really sounds a lot like, oh, don't you think? <laughs> to test the knowledge of a, a fellow concert goer or a, a party party member and to see if they're in the know or not. And I'm all for being artistic in all, all forms, but I, do you guys have opinions on cassette releases? Is that okay? <laughs> or is that just too, too precious? Uh, I mean- with cassette releases, I don't know how much do people really honestly fetishize the sound quality of the cassettes, or is it more of a collector's item thing, or is it more of, you know, I really like this artist, so I'll throw them a $50 bone rather than just <laughs> buying their album on Bandcamp for $5. So given that it's probably a combination of all of the above, I'm perfectly okay with people pressing cassettes. I don't think I've personally bought a cassette post-1995 myself, right. but, but uh, I, I wouldn't begrudge it, uh, anyone uh, pressing a cassette in the uh, 2010s or 2020s. Sure, sure. I think there's there's something to be said for the, the makers and the itsies of the world and having everything be bespoke, which is a word that I absolutely hate. It should be removed from the dictionary. So I think that uh, they're they're pressing it there. They're already from Brooklyn. They're already a, a collective. They dress funny. They have interesting hairstyles. They make music and they have they release cassettes and change their names a lot. So it's all the all the ingredients are there for me to say. Well, these guys they're trying to be just you know cooler than thou. That there's an element that, that rubs me the wrong way about that. But they're, they're, what what else could they do? I guess it's uh, they're not trying necessarily. It's not intentional. To, to be that way it just ends up that way and uh, I think that they are sincere it seems in their lyrics and so that's important it's not just posing so I think that they could use more recognition that would get me if they became suddenly famous which I think maybe I don't know if their their opportunity for that has passed as you said they could just disappear in a couple of years but you know I just I had to get that to get that piece out and I recommend everybody check out the the article on what actually is a hipster band in terms of social science methodology and sharing reviews on pitchfork and being highly rated but uh, not getting exposure and deliberately courting obscurity, I guess intentionally, what I, I would agree on the definition there. I looked at the the AV Club article you linked and are referencing now, and then if that's accurate, my hipster bona fides are pretty bad because I, I don't think I'd heard of any of the 10 no. most hipster bands. This was looking at 2013 and 2014. So, yeah, I'd, I'd heard of virtually all of the quote-unquote good bands. And I don't think I've, uh-huh. I'd heard of a single one of the so-called hipster bands. So Interesting. Okay. Well, that, that's, I think it should be a standard measure. I, I was about 50-50 in terms of owning, actually. I owned about half of the hipster ones. The highly rated on Pitchfork, but also appropriately shared on Facebook. And I've never shared a music review on Pitchfork in my life. They, they call the second list Beer Me Bro. Yeah, and that, that having a MySpace page is... Uh, <laughs> the joke about that I thought was pretty funny. I'm like, I like all kinds of music. I like dance and country and I like uh, and pop. 
yeah, and, so and the those, MySpace page. <laughs> yeah, those those ones I was more mixed. Where the Beer Me Bro Index and the you've probably never heard of them indexed. It, it was more scattered across the whole list, right? I, I yeah, build, a larger... Bill Cal. Bill Callahan, I, I like Angel Olsen, I like, and then by by, and by this metric, they're very obscure, I suppose. But you know that was also back in 2014. So sure, times have changed. Times have absolutely changed. <laughs> yeah. I just like the idea of quantifying it and turning it into social science, which I think is definitely a step beyond what Zappa said was dancing about architecture and reviewing music in general. So uh-huh. it's not not the point, but uh, still very interesting to me. I thought that when you said they were hipsters in our previous podcast, you were excited about that, but you think that's an obnoxious <laughs> ethic. I thought you were like, oh, they're hipsters. Oh my God, that's so impressive. You chose a hipster. But no, <laughs> you, <laughs> it sounds like you've got a hatred for hipsters. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> uh, so, so there's definitely, and you'll feel it if you haven't yet in, in high school, the, the, the feeling of being outside looking in, which I think there's being alienated from the world and being atomized. And a lot of artists uh, who, who speak to that, I think Bowie being one of the first and foremost to give you the feeling that there are other people out there like you. But then there is the hipster phenomenon where it is deliberately exclusive, I would say. And I think almost nobody would admit to being a hipster. Certainly in college, there was a lot of hipster denial going on, especially among the college radio station folks. And I eventually managed that radio station and worked at another radio station and have myself been accused of being hipster and denied it myself. So personal feelings are very mixed about it. Obviously, I think they have good taste in music. Because no. that's kind of their thing. But as a social phenomenon, I think the exclusivity and, you know, have you heard of this? And if you haven't, then you're not worth talking to. There's a definite an elitism. I think what's funny is there's maybe a generational gap there. Because for my generation, you want people to not have heard about what you're talking about. Like people will be like, oh, have you heard of this band like Tam Impala or like Rex Orange County? Like they're really like underground and blah, blah, blah. And there will be like memes and jokes about like indie kids who think they're indie and think like we haven't heard of all this stuff they've heard of, but we have. Maybe there's this opposite effect of like wanting people to not have heard of what you're listening to now as opposed to want, shaming them for not have heard of it. They want. There are kids nowadays I've interacted with and seen jokes about online that are like, yeah, I want to teach you. I want to teach you about real music and like, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think that's kind of more the phenomenon there with me, which I think is like less bad than what you're describing right now, but I can imagine imagine in the 80s that could be a thing please 2000 the 2000s how old do you think we are (laughs) (laughs) yeah no okay that that could be that could well be i thought i could tell you that (laughs) okay maybe that's what hipsters are for my my day i'm not really sure but that that is a thing that there are a lot of memes about and I've interacted with someone who acted like that. Okay. <laughs> the social element of who your friends are and what they listen to and whether you're, you know, you can have a friend who doesn't listen to the same music or listens to uncool music or any of those kinds of social questions. I say I'm that type of friend in my group. I hate to say it, but I'm like, you guys listen to Harry Styles. Like, that's the only, like, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm a bit shamish, gotta say. No, I, I think judging people is okay, I, as long as it's not the the primary determinant of whether you're a friend. I think, or whether you're, you know, yeah, someone yeah. who's just not cool enough to be friends with, which I think is a bad thing. <laughs> we've covered that well. No, we've gotten that off our chests. Do we want to go ahead and rate 
the Gabby's World album before moving on to Sharp's Tears. You guys go ahead. What do you think of the album? Okay. I would give them probably a strong seven because I think there are things I've listened to that have affected me significantly more. So I can't give it like anything above an eight, yet I think it couldn't have been nicer almost. I feel like they did as good as it was going to be for the style it is, for her voice, for the lyrics. It's near perfect for what they're trying to do. But Mm. the genre isn't like the type of genre I might ever give an eight or a nine. So you know what I mean? So I think for what Mm. type of band are they did it perfectly and I like it, but I don't like love it. I just really like it. So that's what I'd give it. What about you, Dad? Yeah, that, that seems about right to me as well. I'd say a seven and a half where it's uh, a really charming record, not pathbreaking, but for what it is about as, as good as you could uh, hope it would be for their talent level, where they're at in their career. So I'd agree with the strong seven as well. Yeah. And I think this may be the first time and maybe the only time we're all going to agree. I also thought it was a seven. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you put it very well, DJ Karev, that for the aesthetic of whether or not you agree it's lo-fi, they've pushed what you can do without you know becoming something a lot more i think the the songs tend to be on the short side and the album also is only you know 36 minutes long so they're not looking to change the world and they don't have to and i think they you know they're just very nice songs and yeah very comforting and also they've they've, they've got uh, some variety to them so that's that's all i can ask enjoyed it definitely all right so let's transition transition first i would say Bandcamp is a good place to pick up both of these albums uh, at a name your price basis are pretty cheap and uh, I think it's only like the Sharks, Sharks Tears album is only $3, $3 on eMusic if you'd rather be a super cheapskate but uh, the Bandcamp reviews are where I think most of them have gotten print I haven't seen a lot of reviews other than uh, Pitchfork and uh, a few other places and both reviews on Bandcamp for the user reviews they they say the albums are so immersive that they'd like to live in them and never come out and maybe just play them on repeat this is true for both the OK album and the Sharks Tears album that we're switching to I found them you know both rather short but also immersive and we can talk I think DJ Karev would be the expert on uh, all girl bands as we move into that and what she thinks of those or female fronted bands in the case of Gabby's World what do you think do, do we grade them on a curve or are they uh, if you were forming a band would you consider being all girls or not let me let me put it directly I would I do have a friend that's a guy that's a drummer so there's that the thing is like I think actually which is weird is I don't know if I can think of an all girls band I absolutely adore so I think I actually do like female fronted bands like I had a pretty significant Paramore hit Beach Bunny Frankie Cosmos I don't know if that's all girl Gabby's World Mitski Mitski kind of has a band I don't know if that's all girls either I Thoughts think I, on uh, Sleater Kinney I think would be a up there yeah but i don't know i never had destiny's child or like cat dolls or i know that's not the type of girl band you're talking about but i don't know if i listen to a lot of like all girls bands like the indigo girls or something i've heard of them i don't really listen (laughs) you know yeah okay so that's kind of interesting i do listen to a lot of female fronted bands yeah i don't know maybe i maybe i'm not into girl bands (laughs) <laughs> DJ Keith Rumi, you have thoughts? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting distinction between the all-girl group versus the, the female-fronted group. There was an interview a year or two ago with Mitski, 
where someone asked her a question about female fronted bands or the like. And then she said, you know, really, who are the male fronted bands now that are really important? Because (laughs) it it just seems like a lot of the most prominent groups now are female led or or female fronted, which certainly wasn't the case. Seemed like it was more of a of a niche genre. 20 years ago where a lot of female fronted music still had to be very kind of traditionally feminine. So either folk music or light rock music. And it's now much, much more across the board. They, they certainly seem to dominate your, your list of favorite albums of the 2010s, for example. So I, I would say they're either the, the industry shifted or you have a soft spot for them, I think. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, DJ Karev, more thoughts about female fronted groups. Is it a category you think about when you're picking music or it's like, oh, like I should find more men's no. groups or women's groups or I honestly think I listen to a lot of solo female artists, a lot of solo you know what? I think I honestly listen to the least solo male artists, but I still can think of a few solo male artists I like. I don't think I really have a category where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go listen to women. I'm going to go listen to men. You know, (laughs) I just think I listen to a lot of contemporary like indie pop, electric pop or rock females. And then I'll listen like when I I made an album cover wall. And what I noticed is I've got like St. Vincent, LaRue, Mitski, Beach Bunny, like all these like rock women from now. And then I've got Queen, The Beatles. Who else did I have? Elton John. Elton John, Brian May. <laughs> and I like like The Strokes right now. I'm really getting into The Strokes. I'd be interested what you'd think of their new album, The New Abnormal, because it has a lot of intricate instrumentation, actually. I think you'd mm. like that, actually. But... Pro Strokes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I do listen to some guy bands and some bands that are female-led, but I don't think I think about gender a lot with music. But I will say, I think I significantly listen to bands with a female lead, bands with a male lead, and then female just solo acts. I don't know if I listen to a lot of male solo acts. I like this guy Phineas. I'm kind of getting into David Bowie a little bit, but I'm not there yet. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. And I do like Ben Conan, Folds. Conan Gray. Conan Gray. Oh, I love Conan Gray. Oh my God. But <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's kind of actually the forgotten category for me getting into girl groups. <laughs> it's a good thing, I think, that you are uh, as sincerely gender blind as the right wing people who claim to be colorblind are. I think that's a good thing. And it shouldn't determine what you listen to. I wonder if uh, in terms of like touring or if, if putting out records, if collaborating with all girls might have advantages in terms of the kind of energy or competitiveness, or if that's just being a gender stereotype. And also the possibility that as we switch into specifically teenage girls or young women, the the idea that a manager or a record label is going to exploit the band takes on a lot of really kind of dangerous uh, possibilities when, when the band is, you know, young women. So something to consider and the group we haven't um explored too much is hyam is a group that's been critically acclaimed where i think it's just a bunch of uh sisters from from la so i, I think of them as one of the most prominent is that what indie all-girl group right now but i haven't we haven't listened to them too what much what was yet. the one um marion told us about is that the one marion told us about i don't think so i'm trying to think there was another like california trio my aunt was telling us about like the blondies do you remember no it could have been the avit brothers who are very much not a not an all-girl group no it yeah. was an all-girl i'd say my aunt tries to be a bit of a hipster sometimes actually <laughs> look out for it it will eat you alive if you're not careful 
phenomenon. Yeah, so to, I wanted to go briefly into, uh, I think, G.J. Keith Rumi's more specialty of film and talk, uh, if you have seen Lucas Moodison's work, uh, We Are the Best, about a, an all-girl punk group in Sweden. No, I don't. I don't think I've seen that. No, Mm-mm. I haven't seen it. You're, you're familiar with his other work together and uh, show me love. What is it? L- Lilia forever about human yeah, trafficking. Um, together. I know I've seen the other ones. I would, I would have to check. Yes. I, re- I recognize this poster, but no, I haven't, I haven't seen that. Tell me more. Well, that's, that's definitely one to check out. It's I think set in, in Stockholm in the eighties the and outcasts, social outcasts, a couple of girls. And then they, they see a girl on a talent show playing guitar and they, you know, she's really, I don't know, not straight edge, but more traditional. And they try to convince her to like punk rock. And there's the whole uh, band dynamic and playing live and being countercultural. And it really uh, reminds me of a more musical version of Show Me Love, which I think fits in the isolation uh, in terms of geographically where you're from, what you're able to do. And it's stark the most opposite uh, polar opposite contrast to being from New York City like Abby's World I mean these uh, Sharks Tears is uh, to introduce them they are from uh, a city called Ufa U-F-A in the Russian Oymag uh, that's Oymag is a uh, Mongolian I can't remember what the Russian name for province is Oblast from Bashkortostan which is about halfway between Moscow and Almaty Kazakhstan so to connect it again with the film Show Me Love which has a not family friendly name in the original version about uh, being from the middle of nowhere and being different also where there isn't anybody else who maybe is LGBTQ or of another race or some, something like that and so making art in that situation I think I mentioned whether all girl bands have to be graded on a curve or especially if you are from a place, something like a developing country, which Russia is not a very happy place to be right now. And so I I consider that in this pick and also in in eventually in the rating. But I guess we can get into it if you have more of the film. We are the best, the name of the film. And I recommend everybody who's interested in punk rock or all girl bands, especially teenage all girl bands. DJ Correct should watch it. (laughs) (laughs) That's on uh, Amazon on Prime. So uh, yeah, we'll check it out. Thanks. Do, do that. Yeah. I think he's as uh, one of the most humanistic directors that I know, and I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on his filmography another day. So we're ready for the second pick. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. So let me give the basics. The translation of, I can't say their name in Russian or the name of the album, but the, the English name of the album is Experience the Charm. It is very short only seven tracks and 30 minutes. It came out in 2019. It uh, very, very clearly fits into the genre of shoegaze or dream pop. And I think we can talk about the differences or similarities between those. The record label is Pow Pop Kids. And as I mentioned, you can find it on Bandcamp or eMusic for very little money, about three or four, three to five dollars, depending on which site you go on. I'd like your you guys' impressions first. What did you think? I think it's very difficult, not in a, not to sound like a pretentious American. It's not that I have an attitude about it. It's just for me, 50% of what I'm going to like in a song, maybe more, is the melody and the lyrics. So then when that becomes kind of hard to hear, I have to be very impressed by the instruments and stuff if it's a different language, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to me, it kind of sounded like a more subdued lo-fi beach house. And when you said dream pop, that interested me because, you know, that is dream pop, right? Um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like an obscure 
category of music, I'd probably say. If I told my mom dream pop, she'd have no idea what I was talking about, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You want to do the mom test. But I thought it was like listenable, but I think like I'd hear it and then kind of just find it ambient. But that also might not be fault of them. And just that if I can't hear the words, it's harder to grasp my attention. Mm -hmm. So... That'd probably be my thoughts. So I thought for me, number two and three, Perfect Deception and Spring were the standout tracks. I thought they're doing a little bit more there with all the instrumentation. I I liked the tracks where they used the synthesizer a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of them, I think, too, there ends up being a lot of decay and distortion at the end of it. That was pretty nice. And in general, though, I did find some of the songs kind of seemed half finished or half formed, where if, if you played me just 10 seconds of one of the tracks my interest would really be piqued, you know, like, oh, where, you know, where are they going with this? But I, I found a lot of them just kind of meandered around in a way that wasn't fully satisfying, like they didn't develop as fully as I would have liked. And then I found that the lead singer's voice, they mixed that with a lot of reverb. And then it's kind of counter to Gabby's world where, you know, with Gabby's world, there's this this kind of shifting intensity where she'll, you know, really yell sometimes and then have that thin kind of anxiety ridden voice where I found with uh, Shark's Tears, the voice was just like if she was singing at like intensity level three and a half (laughs) <laughs> from minute one to minute 40 in a, in a way that could kind of lose your interest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was kind of finding that I, as I was hunting for my favorite tracks, I'd kind of go, okay, here we go. Track number four. Let's see if I like this one. And then, you know, I kind of was doing other stuff and then go, oh, wait a minute, you know, three tracks have gone by and I barely noticed the difference. So it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a moment where I thought, oh, God, what are they doing with this uh, cowbell? I need to turn this off. You know, so there were no glaring mistakes, but I, I didn't find it too captivating in the end. With the same clarification that uh, DJ Karev gave, I mean, maybe there were some poetically brilliant puns in Russian that we just, (laughs) you know, have no clue what's what's going on. Yeah, I I thought two two and three were both listenable, but I'm honestly probably wouldn't buy it or uh, put it in a playlist of mine anytime soon. Understood. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it seems as I rather expected, I was a little surprised that you you chose this one because it is almost directly geared to be antithetical to what would appeal to you in terms of I, I know you're not a huge fans of ambience and captivating in the more lulling sense than a well, I have to hear this song and where it's going and then virtuosity or structure unique uh, chord progression or anything like that it's it's slow yeah I think when you have a genre like shoegaze or dream pop and I absolutely hate the term shoegaze I think it's maybe whether or not it's actually accurate and that people do that at concerts I couldn't say but I really don't like the term and I knew Beach House would come up as a comparison and maybe this is a an unformed an inchoate they could someday get to approach their level but for now they're kind of a poor man's version of it or a poor poor girl's version as, as the case would actually be here. And what, what do you guys see as the differences, if either of you know, between similarities and differences? What is shoegaze versus dream pop? And I've, I've heard them describe Shark's Tears as, as both of these. Is it worth making a distinction? You're already, you're already in a, an obscure genre that our parents wouldn't have heard of, other than our very in-the-know parents. I've never heard of the term shoegaze. Could you elaborate on on that for me. Boy, I, see, the thing is, I'm not an expert on it either. And I do know that it is. Uh, it has been said that deliberately the, the vocals are not an emphasis. And so I would think that Russian or a foreign language, a non-English language, 
would not be a, a severe handicap for a genre where the lyrics aren't as important. I think Starflyer or something or other is, a, is an example. Uh, some have called uh, My Bloody Valentine, I think, with their wall of sound, more aggressive, loud, and, I, and maybe... DJ Kibrumi would know more. Yeah, I might like dream pop as the genre for this more than shoegaze. I think of the classic shoegaze groups and just going through the bands that come up on Wiki, probably Galaxy 500 and uh, My Bloody Valentine, Jesus and Mary Chain, I'm all familiar with. I think of those groups as having the the really kind of gauzy electric guitars that just kind of create a, a sense of warmth and texture. Mm-hmm. Whereas dream pop would rely a little bit more on synthesizers rather than just kind of the atmosphere of distorted electric guitars. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure what shoegaze is. What I'm gathering is it's kind of like airy indie music, right? With a lot of electric guitars. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say it's dream pop because it's very few things stick out to me as sounding dream pop-ish and I had that thought you know and I think it's kind of this obscure genre so I'd want to give it to dream pop as it just sounded like ethereal and then out of the like with synthesizers kind of out of this world vibes very echoey I don't know I'd just say I'd say it was dream pop as well but not really sure okay no I think uh, I like the the description as a uh, shoegaze being more guitar focused gauzy guitars versus dream pop having more more electronics and keyboards involved and I do think we can draw with that general description to compare another example of where I think that their live work, where they don't have the keyboard, where it is just the three of them, a, a bass, a, a guitar, and vocals, and a drummer. In that case, I I would agree with your description of it being non, not very distinctive and not very attention-grabbing in their live version. I think that the studio work and the production, half-formed as it may be, well, the first time I heard it, I was actually very captivated. This is actually the, the album in my iTunes library that I've listened to more than any other album. Album in preparation for this show. I've heard it probably 15 times. Maybe there is just a mental state where you want to check out for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. so, I find, so with groups that you listen to in a foreign language, if you're going to listen to an album 10 times or more, will you try to kind of hunt down translations of the songs or some words, or you just kind of let the, the voice be an instrument and you're uh, happy with the ambiguity there? No, I think that's uh, that's definitely uh, an important question and how, you, how everybody chooses to listen. And it varies, in fact, by the language. If I wanted to practice Spanish or Chinese or Japanese or Arabic or some other language I'm trying to learn, then yes, what you say. But in general, whether it's English or not, I tend to not focus on the lyrics much at all and kind of more the atmosphere and the feeling of it. So uh, that that comes out in my, my taste and preferences for, you know, instrumental music and ambient music, electronic, etc., which I know you guys are not super huge fans of. So I think we're dealing with uh, really differences in taste here or uh, what we would normally listen to and, and how we would listen to it, how actively. Yeah, a kind of instructive comparison for Dream Pop for me would be the band Future Islands. Do you, do you know them? I've heard some, yeah. Yeah, so they're, I mean, they have songs that could be, I mean, they're very uh, rhythmic still, but they, mm-hmm. they could be quite kind of ambient and personality-less. But their singer, Sam Heron, his his voice is not mixed with, you know, very much reverb or compression at all. I mean, you can, you can really hear the personality behind the voice. So I find that, I don't know, for me, kind of synth pop either needs a lot of rhythm 
and mm-hmm. and has really helped with a, a voice with a lot of personality to kind of offset the artificiality mm-hmm. or or just lyrics that are clear. Like I'm I'm a, a big big fan of the Pet Shop Boys, and they tend to mix <laughs> and they tend to mix their vocals to still still sound relatively artificial, but they have you know really kind of arch surprising or funny lyrics a lot of the time mm-hmm. uh, as, as well. Yeah, so uh, you know unfortunately for both of us, I think the language was perhaps a big hurdle still with with sharp steer sure gotcha and i think when we eventually talk about our favorite albums from from the 80s for example i think uh, the introduction where we split off despite a similar foundation of bowie talking heads and elvis costello i think the introduction of electronics might be the inflection point there where you were stuck with new order and pet shop boys and i went other directions and uh, so something to talk about in the future definitely sure Um, and in terms of listening to the lyrics i I really don't think that's what this is about i think the lyrics are there or rather the singing itself is is there to set the atmosphere and it all kind of is supposed to blend together and i think that's what they're doing on purpose that is the intention rather than a, a lack when we i think i can say also that in their live performances there must be some i don't know if it's auto-tune or what but she sounds a little bit off on her live performances too so another mark for studio production magic i would say and also their albums are quite obscure that the concert footage has i think thirty-two thousand views on what might be what we discussed as a possible Possibly a Russian version of Tiny Desk, and then another one in Moscow has only like 400 views. So they've got a following on Bandcamp a bit, but otherwise, this is probably one of the more obscure albums that uh, you're not going to find listed anywhere else. I think it was listed uh, on a college radio program that focuses on shoegaze, and by a shoegaze enthusiast, ranked the album uh, number 14 on the best albums of 2019 list. So even among people who are super into shoegaze i think it's it, it's not not quite the superlative level so you're probably right on the not quite fully formed note so they're uh, yeah. even among even among enthusiasts they're not going to be on many people's radar through the tracks i think the the two that stuck with me the most were number two and number three so in your, in your kind of ranking of tracks it, it sounds like maybe you were listening to this you know as a really cohesive album or are there tracks in particular that you recommend we go back to and give a second try well i think in terms of if you want to just find one song that that stands out on its own and when we talked about gabby's world why i liked broken necks also is thinking as a college radio dj is what is the single here what is the what is the track that's going to get people's attention and i think on this album it was certainly a, a shorter one and I thought that number four, I, I can't say it's uh, track number four, it's under three minutes long, would be the one that I play on the radio. But it's still uh, on the slow side. So if you're looking for up-tempo and a lot of rhythm or, or indecipherable lyrics or any of those things, it's not going to wow you. But I thought that in terms of what you said of where they're going with this, I thought in terms of the structure, they really do a lot in uh, in just three minutes. I'm, I'm a sucker for keyboards, so uh, especially, you know, atmosphere and spacey ones. Other things to say about this. I feel like it does. I can understand why you'd listen to it as a cohesive nighttime album. I think we also did listen to it while we were fully driving or kind of in the kitchen. So I wonder if it's uh, more of a mellow, cohesive thing. I think the way you listen to it is different than the way we listen to it also. Sure. I think that when I first encountered this album, we were just searching through obscure record labels on eMusic. The initial appeal on, on sampling, like you said, a short sample might be intriguing, but maybe in sustaining it for that long would, is not going to excite anybody, I think. But uh, certainly what more enticement could there be than a bunch of uh, nubile young women sitting on a verdant Russian hillside on the album art? I did not know when I was purchasing it that they were probably yeah they 
I don't know, how would you estimate their age? Do you think they're still teenagers or are they? I, I don't, yeah, I'd say 20, 20 ish years old. I don't, would be a good okay. guess. So, do we grade them on a curve for being from Ufa, the 11th biggest city in Russia, a petro outpost city of a million people in Russia, full of uh, Bashkirs and Tatars? Can we grade them on the same standard as a, a Western produced on a, on a major label album, or do you grade on a curve for their circumstances? Rock in a hard place. I guess you could sum it up. No, I say we we keep things objective with our, mm-hmm. you know, when I think of doing our zero to 10 rating, I think of how, how much did, selfishly, how much did I enjoy this album? Not, not what is the r- relative accomplishments? <laughs> I, I don't know. Of the... <laughs> okay. <laughs> How impressive it is to make music is different than how it sounds. I mean, a lot of music is in the production. So, like, mm-hmm. I would get mad. There was this girl who had these songs written for her and then had this, like, paid producer. And I'm like, she gets to record in a studio and me and dad don't. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, there's Check a lot privilege. of yeah, yeah. opportunity yeah. right there. But then when you're thinking about listening to music, for me, a lot of what I think of with rating is uh-huh. I'll be like, okay, if I give this an eight, then it lessens an album I actually think is an eight or I actually mm-hmm. think yeah. is a nine, you know? Yeah. So it is very uh, objective to me, which may be a little brattiness coming out in us. But. Okay, I, I want to I impress you both on your objectivity there. It sounds like objectivity just means consistency rather more than... Yeah. It's still it's still very much subjective. And do I want to listen to this album or not? Or is it something that I'm going to skip half the tracks on or not even play a second time? And uh, yeah. I think that the, the latter is, I think, uh, very subjective. But, uh, you know, consistently saying, yeah, there's a certain kind of album that I want to promote or a certain kind of band that I am more interested in or a certain style of music that I maybe aspire to to myself to produce make myself as a musician or those kinds of things. Those are all factors into it, I think, into the ratings. We apply the same standards consistently, but there may be a disinclination towards shoegaze. Can you explain to me what Beach House does well as a dream pop group? I'm right with you there as a big fan of them, but I don't see, I guess, that there are light years apart. I would happily listen to this album or a Beach House album. What does Beach House do more superlatively? Or, um... I think they layer the technique, how they'll start with one instrument and then another instrument will enter, then a third instrument will enter, then a fourth. They almost overdo it. It's this thing that I've always loved about Beach House. Myth, I can think of right now. <laughs> oh my God, the layering. It's so satisfying. And the instruments are a lot louder in that. So then you appreciate each individual instrument because not only are they being added one at a time they're louder so then they don't blend together as much so then you're just kind of like a new instrument and it's loud a new instrument and it's loud not just kind of like oh all these soft (laughs) instruments getting lost together what's going on the singer I love the vocals more I think she has a very unique voice I think a lot of the lyrics are kind of weird there's a lot of imagery I love imagery in songs I think it takes a really good songwriter to write beautiful imagery because I have never written any lyric that's good imagery and any like I can't do that. But then they'll, how do you talk about roses on a lawn for a minute? And why do I enjoy it? It's great. Um, (laughs) Harmonies. uh, There's a song, Other People. I absolutely, it's like the whole album. You've got these weird lyrics and then all of a sudden just kind of simple. Other people want to keep in touch. And then it'll like be a balance between that, between like bridging popish choruses and kind of less of a structure in other songs. And I think I'm thinking of Bloom a lot, but also Teen Dream kind of used to be as a more 
standard strong song structure. But yeah, that's what I'd say I love about Beach House. They're one of my favorite bands. What about you, Dad? Yeah, I think that was pretty nicely described where the Sharks Tears, there's a kind of sameness to the texture where everything sounded a little bit kind of gentle and all kind of in the, in the same soup where I, I think it's a real talent for synth pop groups to mix everything in, in such a way that it still sounds like a band playing in space. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Beach House does a good job of having lots of different kind of textures in the mixing so they don't just settle on, okay, the tambourine and then the four keyboard lines and the guitar and the drums will all be mixed in the same way. They'll kind of cobble it together so there's a kind of Mm. distinctive sound so that it it just is a a much more compelling and diverse soundscape than what we have here. And and, yeah, and I think Victoria, the the singer for Beach House, could have talked about her rather than the guy for Future Islands where in an otherwise artificial soundscape, they leave their voice relatively kind of unmolested with too much uh, adjustment so you can still hear a, a really unique kind of human voice at the center of the of the mix whereas sharks tears i don't know if you remember this one but the band trans am played at the disco at oberlin yeah yeah, so you know trans am (laughs) they kind of go the the i mean they really rock out but they kind of go the opposite direction of okay the voice is supposed to be very synthetic the whole time Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah so sharks tears kind of had that synthetic quality as well which you know I, I wanted something to have a little bit more personality i mean I, ideally the voice sure. you know hey they might be 18 years old and this is where they're at now so we still tip our hats to them but mm-hmm. i don't think we'd score them above a five <laughs> so, sure I, i'm gathering i'm gathering yeah. as much uh, for the record are you do you approve of trans am as well or, or not as much I approve of them. I wouldn't listen to them too much because their yeah, their aesthetic is too thoroughly artificial for me to get into too deeply. Yeah. So the the use of artifice and uh, distortion and so on. Um, all right. Yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying. I obviously obviously also like Beach House a lot more, and I rate Beach House albums uh, regularly in the eights and nines. But I think that uh, where there is a, the the gulf, I don't know. It's uh, I, I I wouldn't rather not listen to this album. Uh, like uh, I would, you know, greatly enjoy listening to Beach House, but I would also enjoy listening to this one. So I rated a seven, just as well as as Gabby's World. In fact, having played it more times than any other album in my library, that that speaks to. If you want to quantify it, I'm very likely to play this as opposed to most any other album. So maybe it's hard to explain. You've both done a very articulate job of of I think emphasizing the craft of Beach House. In terms of layering things, that's great. And I, I appreciate that maybe less than the overall atmosphere, I guess, is how I would describe it. It's it they both the, the entrancing effect of both both the groups. End. Yeah. Yeah. The gestalt ish kind of a thing. I'm not listening as much for lyrics or varied in- instrumentation. Obviously, there's just, as I mentioned, very, very minimal two guitars, drums, and, and a keyboard for this album. And I think, you know, that there is a progression that I can hear in terms of they have a, a 2018 EP that I thought was just okay and only hints at their potential. And so I think there is an upward trajectory here. And again, for their live shows that do not have the keyboard, I'd sit, then it just is meh. Nothing, does nothing for me. Just eye candy, I don't know. But yeah. So I might give this a three, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Out well, of please 10. be honest, be brutal. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'd give it a three. 
Oof. I feel like I would give it a four just because now I'm getting more perspective that I could listen to it more how I listen to Sufi and Stevens or Beach House or it's just mellow nighttime tired or not to be vulgar, but like some people say like, oh, you have to be like on a little bit of something, listen to Nirvana and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> maybe, you know, type of music that's not substance not enhanced to- listening. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not supposed to just jam out to it in the car. So maybe I'd enjoy it more when I'm tired and I'm not even listening to the lyrics either. I'm just kind of like, oh, pretty synthesizer's great, great, takeable, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Nearly asleep or uh, after after a couple Coca Colas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so since this is the first time we've had a pick that's rated below five, I wonder if uh, you your guys' standard is similar to mine. Pretty much, if something is below a five, I would choose not to listen to it. I would never listen to it more than once, and I would once we start to get into the threes, I would turn it off rather than continue to listen to it if someone else was playing it. Is that to, on, in line no, with your, your low I, ratings? Or? No, I think I don't consider it that way because I think I have a wide range of how much I like something. So like I could rate a Katy Perry album a five or a four, but then that's still, I think the one that got away is a pretty song. I don't know. Like I could rate Lady Gaga's Fame Monster a six and I like that album, but then it's a six because of albums I think are a seven and those albums are seven because albums I think are eight. But then there's like so much I like on different levels that a four Mm -hmm. isn't bad to me. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I think uh, if I were to give something like a one, that's bad. You know, even Mac Miller, I think he like this Circles album of his. We both like it. Right. But I could never justify giving it anything above a five or a six. Or maybe Mm. I'd have to give it a five because how would I ever say that I like it more than this album I've been listening to since I was four years old? Right. So I think I I don't know if I'm as as harsh with my one to ten system. What about you, Dan? No, I I think I'm probably closer to DJ Pozor. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if it's if it's under five, I'm disinclined to, to listen to it. Yeah. But then how do you have five levels of liking it in your brain that you can justify this album is a six and this album is a six and I like them equally? Maybe it's the uh, the, the school teachers were five out of ten. <laughs> if, you're, if you're five out of ten or below. Once you've been around the block, I think, yeah, there's you really kind of have to listen for either innovation or guilty pleasures. Things, things tend to fall into one or the other. And if it's a five, wow. it's kind of like you're different to it and below a five is i don't want to listen to this i'm going to turn it off so that that seems right to me yeah i do think anthony fantano had a quote that was anything above a five is a positive review oh and i'm saying i liked it because he's very harsh with how he throws things so he'll give an album like a light six and people will be like oh how could you and he's like anything <laughs> above a five is a positive review guys i don't know if that's <laughs> yeah i totally i totally agree with that actually i think that a, a three star out of five is a lot of people say a three star is damning with faint praise uh, at best and I still think a lot of three star albums are yeah they're they're enjoyable to listen to but I don't think it brings a lot of new things to the table I think innovation is, is very important so to get a high level you have to be doing something new or really get your attention otherwise yeah. all on the same page more, more or less but uh, yeah. keep listening alright all <laughs> I think we've covered it Yep. All right. So thanks for giving it to the college try in this case. And I think we're starting to understand what we're likely to rate highly and not and like and otherwise. So I'd be interested to see what we've got in store. Thanks for doing this again. And, and uh, we'll be in touch. Right. All right. Have a good night there. Bye.